As I uh, talked and communicated with Pastor Matt about this morning's message, I told him that I'd uh, like to put on my director of world outreach hat and uh, speak to you about mission work uh, this morning. And since he had no objections to that, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So um, I'd ask if you would bow your heads with me for a brief prayer, and then we'll look at a passage of Scripture from the book of Acts. Gracious Lord, you are gracious, having given us your holy, inspired word. It is our authority because it comes from you. It is your word. And we ask that in the next few moments as we listen, we read your word, we listen and absorb uh, the message from it, I pray that through your spirit working in us as a church, you'll move us in the direction, whatever it may be that you want us to, or you want us to go in, individually but also corporately as a church. Give us open hearts, open ears to hear you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you do have a Bible and would like to look up uh, Acts chapter 13, we're going to read a little bit in Acts chapter 13, and then also um, at the end of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 13 and 14 are an account of what many people call the, the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. Actually, two people went on that. It wasn't just Paul. It was Barnabas and Paul. And um, I wanted to begin in the beginning of chapter 13, reading the first three verses, and then uh, we'll proceed uh, to the end of that trip. Uh, so beginning of the trip and the end of the trip. So chapter 13, book of Acts, verses 1 to 3. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, by the way, just for those of you who don't know, this is Saul, who is also known as Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Throughout chapter 13 and then going on into chapter 14, uh, if you read through that, you would see that it's an account of that journey, where they went uh, and the work that they did, mainly teaching uh, the Jews and the Gentiles that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And it goes through all the different places they went and uh, concludes where it should conclude at the end of chapter 14. And I want to read the last few verses there. Chapter 14, then, verses 24 uh, to the end of the chapter. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed 
to Antioch. You'll remember Antioch from the first verses we read, where they had gone out, from where they had been, uh, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. In 1997, I had the opportunity, a real privilege, to uh, go to one day of the U.S. Open Golf Tournament, which was held in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, that year. My father knew a lady who worked for the United States Golf Association, and uh, she gave us all free tickets uh, to the U.S. Open. So it was an awesome experience uh, to go there. I don't know if some of you I know are golfing fans. Some of you don't know anything about it, but uh, it doesn't really matter. We, we went to Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, the thing I remember so much were the throngs of people all over the golf course. I mean, we couldn't even park near the course. We had to park so far away and take a bus to get to the golf course. And when we got out on the course, I mean, we wanted to see, you know, the best players in the world who were there at the time. And um, we had a struggle doing that because there were just layers upon layers of people in the stands and layering the fairways and around the greens and everything. The best we could do on most of the holes was uh, maybe four or five rows back you know, just kind of, and it was easier for me, you know, but for others, it's not so, not so uh, easy to do that. It still couldn't get a very good look at him. And here comes Tiger Woods, who was, you know, a young phenom at that point, coming through. We'd watch him. Here comes Jack Nicholas, and just seeing some awesome players. Well, there was, it was frustrating because we really couldn't get a good look hardly at anything. It was so far away. Um, but there was something else about our tickets that we had. Uh, those tickets included passes to the clubhouse, which was really a neat treat. So we decided, well, let's go check this out. Why not? So we went into the, the clubhouse, and um, it did not give us access to where the, the, the golfers were, but we were able to look at all the amenities and, and see where the normal... Uh, uh, club members uh, would would be and where the families of the tournament golfers were. And we didn't stay in the clubhouse very long, but if we had, I'm sure we probably would have bumped into a golfer or two who had kind of lost their way uh, in, in the golf course. Well, I say all that uh, because I think that for a lot of us, our, our experience with missions, which is simply... Missions is simply taking the Great Commission to make disciples of Jesus Christ and taking that across cultural barriers. I think that for a lot of us, and maybe here at Doolin's Grove, our experience with missions is a lot like my experience, or most of my experience, at that U.S. Open golf tournament. We're just looking on from a distance. We might be admiring what we see, but we're, we're not up close. In fact, many of us, like at the U.S. Open, we don't really know how to even get ourselves into the clubhouse to get, to get up close 
to get, to get involved, to really feel like we're more than a spectator when it comes to the work of the mission of the church. So I'm hoping, it's really my goal for this morning and this message, that, that we as a church, we won't be satisfied with participating in missions from a distance. But we, you, will desire a more close-up involvement for us as a church. That I believe God would have us have that. I think there are just two very broad things that we can do to, that, that will draw us closer into the work of God's mission around the world. A work that we as a church are not supposed to be exempt from in any way. In fact, the Great Commission was given to the church. So we have a part to play, a very real part to play. So the first thing I'd like to mention is simply celebrating the work of mission that God is doing around the world. And it just happens to be that I'm the director of uh, missions or world outreach for our Advent Christian denomination. So I can tell you some things to celebrate. And they're very worthy of celebrating some of the things that are happening through Advent Christian missions around the world. If we look back in Acts chapter 14, the last verse, or it's not the last verse, excuse me, it's verse 27 that we read, says, and when they arrived, this is again Paul and Barnabas, the missionaries, coming back, when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, it doesn't take too much imagination for us to see that this is really a time of celebrating for the church. Not only, here comes Paul and Barnabas back after they had been away for for a long, long time. And here they come, and Paul and Barnabas are eager to report back to the church that had sent them out. You can get that that sense just in that brief um, statement. They declared all that God had done with them. They gathered them together and said, you've got to hear what God has been doing out there. You've got to hear what, what God had in mind when he, 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 he put it into your heart, church, to send us out and what that was all about. And so uh, they came back and they reported that. This was a time of celebration of, of what God was doing. So what I want to say is it's right and helpful, actually, for us as a church to celebrate what God is doing around the world. Some of you may subscribe to uh, the Advent Christian e-news, newsletter that comes out every week, and, and some of you may have be reading some of the, the stories about our mission work that are often in that e-news. Many of you probably do not receive that, but I, whether you do or not, um, some of these people that I want to mention, um, most of you maybe, some of you have heard of them, but I want to share some stories about victories that God is u- doing through missionaries and those who are leading in the work of the gospel around, around the world. It was about a year ago that you rem- might remember the folks who are pictured up there. 
Erwin and Rowena Cabrisos. Well, I'll come back. Yeah, see? <laughs> I have great faith. No, I tested that earlier and it happened before. So, thank you. Erwin and Rowena Cabrisos, uh, who were here a year ago, who uh, work as missionaries with Advent Christian General Conference and head the uh, Agape House Ministries. In fact, uh, last year after they were here, they went back to um, uh, the Philippines where they live. They live in the city, uh, a city called Mati there. How many of you remember them being here? Please, thank you. Okay. Uh, anyway, they went back. And in December of last year, this was the end of last year, there was a terrible fire in the city of Mati. Um, it, it ravaged a large part of the, the downtown area of Mati, where the Agape House ministry has its, uh, it wor- its work. They were not affected directly by the fire, but some 400 people in Mati uh, became, were, were displaced, um, either homeless or their, their homes damaged severely. Over 100 of them were children. But because we have missionaries in Mati, and because we have a network of support around the world, Rowena and Irwin were able to organize a relief effort for those more than 400 people who were in great need, many of them having lost most of everything that they owned. So Rowena and Irwin and and the folks that they work with at the Agape House Ministries um, put together packages and uh, took time to put some just some basic things that these folks uh, no longer had. Toiletries, blankets, um, some cash to help get them started in some some ways again. That was through them and through uh, our collective efforts. They gathered the folks together uh, who needed help on one day, and they distributed uh, all these uh, relief items to them. But they also took the opportunity to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was talking with uh, Rowena a few months ago about this, she told me, you know, Jeff, 50 people gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ that day. And I was like, praise the Lord. That's a victory. That's a victory of God through missionaries who are sent out by us. Some of you might remember also Jeff and Penny Van. Uh, this is just a picture of uh, Penny. Jeff is mysterious, uh, not <laughs> there. Because um, the story's about Penny. Uh, Jeff and Penny are missionaries in New Zealand, uh, having arrived in New Zealand uh, at the beginning of February this year. Penny and I were talking uh, several weeks ago, and Penny was telling me a story about uh, how the church that they are involved in, an Advent Christian church in, in uh, Auckland, uh, has a, an outreach program. It's called Mainly Music. It's an outreach to uh, mothers of very young children in the community, and they have uh, a, a quite a large number, 15 to 20, I believe, uh, who come to this uh, program every Wednesday morning. None of them are believers in Christ, but they come to the church and they participate in a really wonderful program. And Penny is very involved in that program as well. And she said, Jeff, that 
uh, after we had been talking that week, she said, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity that after the Mainly Music program, um, one of the mothers and I spent a good hour just having a, a real deep heart-to-heart talk. And she said, you know, no, they didn't, nobody's come to Christ yet out of that. But I had to think, you know, that's a victory as well, because if Jeff and Penny were not there, they would not be making those, making time and that, making that difference in the people's lives. And who knows how God might use that conversation to plant the seeds of the gospel uh, in their lives. And I'm thankful for our missionaries who are willing to do those things and be there. Another inspiring story about a guy most of you have not met. His name is uh, Samuel Sassono. Samuel Sassono is the president of the Advent Christian Conference of Churches in Malawi. And just in case you're wondering and asking, where's Malawi? It's in Africa. (laughs) And uh, Samuel has a wonderful story or, uh, of his relationship that he has developed and groomed with the local village chiefs in his area. Samuel is a very wise leader. He works very well with the pastors in his conference, and he understands the importance of grooming relationships with the village chieftains in the area. So what Samuel does is that anytime. Um, there's a blessing, materially especially, that he may have received, uh, he will share that with the village chieftains. For example, sometimes we're able to send Bibles uh, to Samuel to distribute among his ministry. Samuel makes sure that whether they know Christ or not, the village chieftains get one of the Bibles. He understands the importance of of developing that relationship closely. And in turn, Samuel has asked for the privilege from the village chiefs to be able to show the Jesus film. Some of you probably know what that is. It's a film about the life of Jesus based on the book of Luke. He's asked to show that film in the, in the, in the villages where the chiefs are. And to my knowledge, every one of the chiefs has granted permission for him to do that. And Samuel has reported many, many people giving their lives to the Lord uh, through that opportunity and many baptisms. That's a victory of God through, through Advent Christian mission work around the world. Praise him. Pastor Roy Rocha lives in Manila in the Philippines. Um, our family and I got to know Roy Rocha, uh, quite a long time ago, when we first arrived as missionaries in the Philippines. At that time, Roy was employed part-time as a driver for our mission uh, there. But he was also a student at Oro Bible College. Oro Bible College is uh, supported very heavily from Advent Christian World Outreach. Well, Roy now is the pastor of a thriving ministry in the city of Manila, one of the major cities of the world. And Roy is uh, doing a fantastic job of ministering to the community there. And he often reports also 
baptisms uh, as as uh, the representing the changed lives that are happening. And you know, Roy received his first ministry training there at Oral Bible College, and my wife and I, as having been teachers there, and other missionaries uh, who have um, given much of their lives to work there, have, have, have had input into Roy's life. And it's a victory of the work that, that Roy is doing. And I tell you, he, he is passionate about the gospel. It's a wonderful thing to be able to see. These are victories that God is doing around the world. These are victories for God's kingdom. And they're wonderful things to celebrate. And they're real people from real churches, just like Doolin's Grove. No, they're not exactly like Doolin's Grove in every way, but just like any other church. They're real people whom God has raised up for missions. You know, celebrating is a way of us getting more involved in missions. You might not have thought of it that way. I even think Jesus has some words on how we ought to celebrate, the right perspective on celebrating. We don't really need to turn there in the Bible, but in Luke chapter uh, 10, Jesus has sent out uh, his disciples on a basically a short-term mission trip. And his disciples come back from that trip, a little bit like Paul and Barnabas, but a little differently too, and his disciples are really, really excited. And they say, this is my translation, Wow, Jesus, this is cool. We go out in your name, and even the demons have to submit to us and have to flee. This is awesome. And Jesus says, again, my translation, um, yeah, you're getting the point, aren't you? I am God. I have control over demons. I am sovereign. I, I, in my name, you can cast out demons. You can minister in my name, and there is power in my name. If you, if you go out as my representative. And then Jesus brings it around to say, but you know what? This is in verse 20 of Luke 10. He says, nevertheless... Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I think what Jesus is saying here is, you know, celebrate with the right perspective. It's not wrong to celebrate that the wonderful things that, that we do in the name of Jesus by any means. Satan is a defeated enemy. Jesus makes that very clear. But yet... The battles still have to be fought and the victory claimed in the name of Jesus. But Jesus is saying, celebrate the fact that your names are written in heaven. In other words, you're a child of God. That's the critical perspective. And I think by extension, we can, we can apply that to the work of missions here and, and abroad. It doesn't matter where. Let's be sure to celebrate the work that God is doing in people's lives, not so much what we can do or what he did or she did. So a little perspective on our celebrating. But let's celebrate by all means. Just rejoicing and celebrating what God is doing brings us closer to his mission work. And 
brings us a step closer to doing the second big thing that will get us more involved. First, we can celebrate. And second, we can share in the ministry work. As God's church, we need to be open and responsive with ears open to how God would have us be, excuse me, how he would have us share in the work of his mission work. So you might think, well, I give to Penny Crusade, and Penny Crusade is pretty much how I'm involved or how we are involved as a church in missions. For those of you who do not know what Penny Crusade is, Penny Crusade is our uh, denomination, uh, denomination's fundraising effort for mission work. And every year we, we do Penny Crusade. In fact, in September and October of this year, if I've got that right, I think, uh, we are going to be doing Penny Crusade program here. Some of you might think, well, that's my involvement. I mean, that's what it's all about. Jeff just stands up there and he wants money. <laughs> I'm just joking. But it does certainly takes money to do ministry in the work. But giving of our finances is just one piece of the work of missions. We can go back to Acts chapter 13 and observe some critical ways that the church in Antioch shared in the work of missions. And by extension then, how we as a church, how we as Doolin's Grove might consider sharing a little more deeply in the work of missions. In verse 2 it says, chapter 13 verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice what they were doing here. They were worshiping. They were worshiping. Worship, church, prepares us for involvement in God's mission. Worship prepares us for involvement in God's mission. In their worshiping and in their fasting, the church in Antioch was was approaching God with an openness. God, we love you. What would you have us be involved in? What would you have us do? We are open to all that you want us to be and to do. Maybe even a strong sense of expectancy on their part. We don't know. There's nothing disconnected at all about missions and worship. The two are very much brought together because... Really, the ultimate goal of missionary work is that God would be worshipped across the globe, wouldn't it? Isn't that the ultimate goal? So our worship prepares us for the work that God may want to do in us and through us for his mission. And our attitude of worship prepares us as a church to hear God and respond to his directives. Worship then. Yeah, worship. Get involved with an attitude of openness. You don't know what God may do when we do that. A second thing to see here in Book of Acts, in terms of sharing in the work of missions, is that the church in Antioch just simply took God seriously. The church in Antioch recognized 
that God was serious about what he wanted them to do. So they decided they ought to be serious too. It says in verse 3, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They took God seriously and confidently acted upon that seriousness. Their fasting and praying showed that they wanted to be careful and prayerful about what God was leading them uh, to be doing, taking this big step for them, really, as a church. And they moved ahead in the confidence of God's leading, knowing that God was doing this in them and through them. He was sending Saul and Barnabas out. I almost hesitate to say this, but I do wonder whether we as a church in general or even at Doolin's Grove, how seriously do we take God when we look at things like this? Or do we just kind of look at him with glazed eyes and not realize that God is really serious about the work of missions in the church? He's serious about a lot of things, I think, that too often we, we don't take as seriously as he does. So simply just taking him seriously may open us up to much more involvement. A third thing we could see here is a very similar idea, but a little different angle, and that is taking ownership of our part. This leads us into greater involvement. Verse 3 again, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They took part in it. They, they were involved in that way in taking ownership, laying on of hands... I don't know if many, some of you have been in a service where somebody may be ordained to the ministry or a missionary commissioned, but there's often a laying on of the hands. You may have seen that before. What does that represent? Laying on of hands represents a commissioning and a granting of authority from the church, and not only that, but a support from the church in what they are being sent out to do. And they sent them off, it says. Now, if you care about somebody and you're sending them off to do something, aren't you going to make sure that they have everything that they need for the task or for the job or for the trip or whatever? I just sent my son Isaac off to camp at Blowing Rock for a week. Uh, That's where I was Friday night and and yesterday. And you know what? Um, I did Make sure, Isaac, you, you okay? You've got everything you need. You know, you've got your sleeping bag. You've got this. you got that. Oh, I think you need some more snacks. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting like my mother. Because <laughs> I remember when my brother and I would go off to college every day. Not every, every time we would leave. He had a car. I didn't. So I'd drive with him to the same college. We'd go out. We were already in the car. My mom would come out, you know. Okay, well. Do you have this? Do you have that? You know, here's, here's an extra bag. We've got some sandwiches, some apples, some candy bars in there. Oh, and here's some extra cash. You might need that. You, know, you never know. Da, 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 all that. My dad's walking around the car, opening the hood, make, check the oil. Yep, that's good. You know, the tires, everything's good. Why? Because we want to make sure those that we love, we're taking our part. We're taking ownership in, in sending these people out. Sending out missionaries isn't any different from that. Why do we think that it's some ooh out there? It isn't. Um, ACGC 
particularly the work that I do, Ron, and our team at ACGC are involved in, we are equipped and set up to handle some of the, quite a bit of the details of those things. But we need our church's involvement with that. I'm guessing that many of you do not know that it is people from Advent Christian churches around this country who work with me to interview candidates for missionary service. People from churches. We need our churches. It's our churches that, that provide the finances for, uh, for the work of missions and sending out missionaries. Um, I work with people in churches who, who have sensed a call maybe to the work of missions, to get to know them, to talk to their pastor and all these things. It's, 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 a, it's a working together to get this job done. And as a church then, I see in Antioch that they took, they took ownership of their part in it. A fourth thing here. They shared in the responsibility for the mission. A little similar again, but a little bit different angle as well. In chapter 14, verse 27, going back to that same verse again, it, uh, it talks about them uh, reporting to the church in Antioch. The church, the church excuse me, took responsibility to hold the missionaries accountable. Ooh, that sounds very formal and kind of yucky. We don't want to do that. But that's actually a critical part of the church's work. They were invested in what Saul, Paul, and Barnabas were doing, and they wanted to hear back what God was doing from them. Not in a critical spirit, but in a celebratory spirit, and to discern what God may be leading for the future uh, for them. So do you notice that... um, the church recognized in that verse that it says that the Lord had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. There was a discerning of a new work here in what Paul and Barnabas had been doing, a new wide-open mission field, and the church discerned that. What I'm saying is that there was a sharing in the responsibility for what God was doing, to look at it and to see, hey, this is what God is up to. We want to follow along in that. There's one other thing. It doesn't come out of um, this passage in the book of Acts, but I, I have to mention it, and that is prayer. We have to be a praying people, particularly intercessory prayer, I want to mention. Intercessory prayer will lead us into greater involvement. You say, what is intercessory prayer? That sounds like a really nasty thing. Intercessory prayer is simply going before God on behalf of others. It is actually seeking the promises of God and seeking the will of God on behalf of other people. And it's very powerful. Um, And we won't be involved, church, as intercessors for those who are on the mission fields, for our pastors, for our leaders in our churches. We will not be involved in intercessory prayer except on the level of bless them, keep them safe. Nothing wrong with praying like that except that God wants something, I believe, a lot deeper because we're not going to go deeper until we realize that what we're in is a war with the enemy. Remember how God takes this seriously. 
We have to recognize that the church is at war with the enemy. Victory is assured in Jesus Christ, as I said before. But those battles have to be fought in his name. There's a picture in the Old Testament that is very powerful to me of this, uh, of intercessory prayer. And I invite you actually to turn back in the book of Exodus if, if you do have a Bible. It's Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13. Here Moses has led the people of God out of Egypt. They haven't been very long in coming out of Egypt. And they get attacked by a nation. (laughs) Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 8. Then Amalek, that's the nation, came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So just see what Moses does here. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. This almost gets humorous, but it's, it's serious. Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. What is Moses doing here? He's interceding for the people. He is standing on the mountain, coming before God, seeking and claiming the promises and the will of God for his people as they are literally down in the valley fighting. To me, that's what intercessory prayer is all about. It's a powerful passage as we see the battle that God's people are in and what Moses was doing there. John Piper says this, Until you believe that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer, he says, is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. It is as though the field commander, Jesus, called in the troops, gave them a crucial mission, go and bear fruit, He handed each of them a personal transmitter coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters and said, Comrades, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he has authorized me to give each one of you personal access to him through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, He will always be as close as your transmitter to give tactical advice and to send in air cover when you or your comrades need it. As I was looking at this, I was actually quite convicted because I think that we fail those in leadership because we don't see what's happening. We fail to uphold people in prayer the way we ought to, to call in the help from the general when we just say, bless them, keep them safe. How little we really do in this area. 
So these are five key things that will move us into sharing more in the work of missions. Just by reviewing, worshiping with an open heart, an attitude of openness, believing that God is really serious about what he's, he's calling us to do, taking ownership, recognizing that we're all in this together. It's not just a Paul and Barnabas thing or a missionary thing. Sharing in the ongoing responsibility for the mission work and discerning what God is doing. And finally, interceding in prayer. And I didn't even mention giving finances. So there are many levels for us as a church to become, perhaps take a little step closer toward involvement in the work of God's mission in the world. So let me just wrap this up by encouraging you to celebrate what God is doing. If we enter into celebration, the celebrating of God's victories, then we're going to be moving closer to direct involvement with, with his work. And then, of course, if we consider how God may want us to, to, to share in the work of missions, we're going to be drawn farther and closer into that. Let's end with a word of prayer. Our Lord, challenge us. You've challenged me through this message. Please challenge us as a church that we might be open to you. In Jesus' name, amen.